That John is the bugler's sound, the cornet's sound, the trumpet's sound. I think they're all the same. Announcing the introduction of the newest episode of Smart Drivel. Ba-na-na-na. Have you ever played Rebelry on the bugle? I could on see you trom- being a bugle boy. Trombone. I played the trombone. Have you played Rebelry on the trombone? Uh, sure, I have. And taps. Bum, bum, bum. By the way, never, Trombone Boy is like the new guitar hero. I'm sure that is the right story to tell yourself. So I, I didn't play a musical instrument, but I went to sleepaway camp once and I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And every morning, at least the boy side of the camp was awakened by revelry. It wasn't a bugle player. It was like a old, like it was vinyl. It was a record player. So because, you know, it's camp, I thought it would be funny to sneak into the director's bunk at 2.30 in the morning and play revelry and wake up the entire camp. So I snuck in, I played it. I have never run faster in my life to get back to my bunk before the director and his big flashlight came out. And despite that, I believe I got caught anyway. Yeah, I would think so. What'd they do to you? I have no idea, but it, it did not serve as negative reinforcement I guess of that not. behavior in the future. <laughs> no, I know, because I know you well. So um, it's interesting that your opening, you talked about all of these synonyms, which are words, of course, that are different, but mean the same thing. Yes. Because what we're going to talk about today, Kurt, yes. is kind of that topic. We are going to talk about pairs of words that look the same, but are actually different. So they're not synonyms, but they're often mistaken for synonyms or homophones. Well, they're often mistaken for words that mean the same thing. Is that like yodel and yodel? One is to sing and one is a great hostess cupcake type thing? Are they spelled the same? Yodelay, yodelay, yodelay. You know, there's a word for that. I I just think those are just different definitions of the same spelling of the same word. But there is a concept, which we'll discuss in a future episode, but we really should get to this episode. But you and I like to live in the future. Words that are actually mean what they mean and also mean the opposite of what they mean. So there's a teaser for a future episode. But let me, set up, let me set up today's episode, which was born out of a short drive with friends to a dinner a couple of weeks ago. The husband of the couple we were going to dinner with is a lawyer. The third couple we were meeting there, the husband is a lawyer. Actually, the wife is a lawyer as well. So maybe I was just getting my lawyer questions ready to go getting ready yeah got a and it was once explained to me kurt that when it comes to certain kinds of agreements it is an oral agreement not a verbal agreement and there's a distinction between the two and leaving aside that distinction for a moment i was perplexed why do we need the word oral agreement and the word verbal agreement one sounds like it's the spoken word and the other sounds like it's the spoken word. So I was confused. And believe it or not, there is actually a distinction that I did not know. And I don't think you know either. Verbal. Wait, is this oral O-R-A-L spoken or oral A-U-R-A-L of the ear? No, those are homophones. I'm talking about O-R-A-L, like the spoken word. B, the toothbrush. As opposed to oral, which is something you hear. But that's a, that's a, that's a whole different 
kettle of fish. So verbal, I was surprised to learn, you may be surprised to learn, and I hope our listeners are surprised to learn, is something that is expressed in words, whether written or spoken. Okay. Verbal covers written word too. Did you know that? I did not. But it is more it is more pervasive than the oral agreement. So I guess it had to have something more, but I had no idea. Yeah. So the word oral, O-R-A-L, actually relates to the mouth and is something expressed through the spoken word. So oral can be verbal, but verbal cannot. Did I do that backwards? It doesn't matter. The point is verbal includes the written word too. And that was a real kick in the pants. You know what else was a kick in the pants, John? What's that? You know what else was a kick in the pants? Oral Hershiser in 1988. Yes, because that was spelled O-R-E-L, and he had the longest scoreless innings pitch streak in... Actually, he beat the Mets in the postseason, but wasn't that the same year that he broke Don Drysdale's record for consecutive scoreless innings, something like 55 or 56, which is pretty amazing? Yeah, 1988, and he beat us twice in a National League Championship Series. Who is us, Kurt, for listeners who might need to know? The New York Metropolitans, John. Meet the Mets, greet the Mets, step right up, and meet the Mets. We seem to be on a fun word or fun with words bent these days. That is not an accident. No. And so how about this one, John? Because there are a lot of these words that people, I think, use incorrectly but they think they're using it correctly, like home and hone. Remember that one we talked about? Yes. Home in on something versus hone. So how about insensible and nonsensical? Okay. Lay it on me, big fella. Well, insensible means your senses are not working. It literally is in, not, sense, your senses, a bull, working. They're not working or your EQ isn't working. So you're unconscious, you're unaware, or you're lacking delicacy. You could be insensible in the way you act towards someone, meaning your EQ, you're not caring about them. Whereas nonsensical just means what it sounds like, nonsense. It's absurd, foolish speech. What you're saying is nonsensical, John. It's jabberwocky, which was C.S. Lewis, right? In uh, Wasn't jabberwocky in uh, Alice in Wonderland? Yes. I thought you were referring to something I had said as jabberwocky. Which kind of means like you're making no sense, right? Didn't I say Jabberwocky? You did. And I thought you were referring to something I had said. But as it turns out, it was a literary reference, which you're prone to. And by the way, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, Alice in Wonderland? No, he wrote The Line of Witch in the Wardrobe. Anyway, okay. So it was 1988 that Hershiser set that record. 59 consecutive innings pitched without giving up a run. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it well. Darn it. I remember watching that at Lake Copake up in the Berkshires by Catamount Mountain, drinking 50 cent beers in the bar. And it was during the day in late September. What's better than day drinking, Kurt? Oh, I'm not a big day drinker, but that was a great time. All right. So you brought up C.S. Lewis because you have a deep knowledge of the literary canon of the Western world. Yes, not really, but okay. Let's test the depth of that knowledge because you and I could easily be accused of being 70 miles wide and an inch deep on many topics. What does CS stand for in CS Lewis? Oh, boy. I will say it stands for 
Charlemagne the Great. Yes, well, that makes good sense because one of those words starts with a C and none of those words start with an S. By the way, I, was I will tell Lewis you, Carroll, by the way, who did Jabberwocky and House Wonderland. I will tell you that the C stands for Clive and the S stands for a popular office supply chain. Staples. Clive Staples Lewis. You know what? Good thing he wasn't Clive glue them together, Lewis, because then you would never be able to read his papers, but they were stapled together. Okay, John, back to the topic. Words that look the same that's, that are different, insensible, nonsensical. Okay, Give me your, last, your last joke was so bad. My question to you is, would you like that to remain in the final cut of this episode, Kurt? Yes, sure. Okay, because Kurt and I are authentic, if nothing else. All right, nothing. I've got one for you. But before I tell you a pair of words that look the same but are different. One of these words has another word that means the exact same thing. So since that is confusing and roundabout, let me get right to it. Here's the background. The word inflammable and the word flammable, believe it or not, Kurt, I know you know this, mean the exact same thing. But that is not the topic of this episode. But let me start there. And it's been perpetually confusing as to why we have two words that sound the opposite, that mean the exact same thing. Flammable, inflammable mean things that can catch on fire. So, John, you're talking about inflammable and flammable, and you're telling me these words mean the same thing, but one is in and one is not in. So, clearly, that's confusing. Very confusing. It sounds like when the word inflammable, which was the original word, It sounds like that sucker can't catch on fire, which creates a dangerous misunderstanding if you're trying to avoid fires. (laughs) But unflammable means it can't catch on fire, but inflammable means it can. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the word flammable and inflammable mean the exact same thing. I'm going to get into inflammable and not flammable in a minute. This is the wind up. Okay, I'm ready. So it's confusing as to why we have these two words. So the original, here's the story. The original word was inflammable, but the National Fire Protection Association back in the 1920s, a hundred years ago, urged Americans to start using the word flammable instead of inflammable because it sounded more like something that could catch on fire. Who came up with that? Very smart. The National Fire Protection Association. No, who do you Kurt? think it was in that group? I think it was C.S. Monahan. I think it was C.S. Came... Webster, who is descended from Noah Webster, who did the dictionary. Well, the good news is the word flammable is now a regular part of how we talk, and we're less likely to become confused and think something can catch on fire when, in fact, it can catch on fire. Now, back to the topic of this episode. But by the way, nope. the inflammable I would get because it sounds like it's on flame, in flame. So I would that get that would be it. the whole point. Well, inflamm- yeah. actually, inflammable sounds like it doesn't catch on fire. It's inflammable. Okay. All right. Okay. So back to the topic of the episode inflammable and non flammable look the same, but they're actually different. Inflammable, as we just discussed, means something that can catch on fire, whereas non flammable means that it's not flammable. It's <laughs> not easily ignited, and not something will burn quickly if it's ignited. So inflammable means flammable, which means it can catch on fire. Non-flammable means it can't catch on fire. 
So inflammable and non-flammable sound the same, but are very different. There will what be about, a quiz at the end of this, Kurt. I don't think about, you're going to do that well. What about unflammable? That's not one of the words. <laughs> okay. Well, I have do you a think there's a for- word unflammable? Yes. I don't think there's a word unflammable. I think the word is not flammable. You can be unflappable, which is something you probably want to flap if you have a fire. But uh, I don't believe there's a word unflammable, Kurt. There is a word, as I tried to be clear with you, inflammable, non-flammable. Sound the same, mean the opposite. My issue is that I'm very flappable. That may be the case, but that has nothing to do with fire. I know, but I wish I were more unflappable, but I'm flappable. Just saying. So how about this, John? Because this I is think very you can be calm in a crisis. I can also see you being flappable. Yeah, this is this is along the same lines as your. We had a word, and then they tried to change it. This is an interesting story, and I should write a novel about this. The two <laughs> words are disinterested and uninterested. Right. If you were to write a novel, would I be disinterested or uninterested, <laughs> or would I be interested? You know. I think you would not be disinterested. Okay. Which means I would be interested. Well, no. So originally, here's what's weird. These words switched their meanings over time. Get out. Originally, disinterested meant, just what you're saying, lacking interest. I'm disinterested in that. I'm lacking interest. Whereas uninterested meant unbiased. I'm uninterested. I don't have an opinion on this. I'm, it's one or the other. And somewhere over the last couple of hundred years, boom, flipsy, flopsy, topsy, turvy, up is down, down is up. Geese are lowing and cows are honking. Everything's screwed up because now disinterested means unbiased. I have a disinterested opinion about that. I'm unbiased. Whereas uninterested means I lack interest. I don't care. I'm uninterested in what you're saying. So I'd like to explore this part where they basically decided to flip meanings. Is that like spouse swapping? I think so. Was that gradually over time and that would have created even more confusion? Or was there just like a day, like like when some countries decided to switch from driving on the left side of the road to the right side of the road? Can't be doing that gradually. So there was a day and there's a very famous picture of amazing gridlock in Stockholm back, I think, in the 60s when Sweden said, "Okay, let's switch that. Can you imagine how, <laughs> the chaos of that? But that's a lot better than doing it gradually and a lot safer, too. How about when Pope Gregory in like the 500s decided, you know what? We're going to go to the Gregorian calendar. We're going to leave the Julian calendar, which was from Julius Caesar. And we're going to go to the Gregorian. So people went to sleep on like October 1st. And the next day they woke up October 15th. Sort of like the Rip Van Winkle syndrome. Yeah. They, they lost 14 days. Isn't there a country in Africa we talked about that's still on the Gregorian calendar? So it's like nine years earlier there? Still on the Julian, because we're on the Gregorian. That's what I meant to say. But we're mm-hmm. talking about things that sound the same, but are the opposite. So I tried to get into the spirit of that. Are you ready for a triple header, Kurt? Uh-huh. Because I think I, didn't, I wasn't confusing enough when I was talking about <laughs> flammable, inflammable, and non-flammable. And then you made <laughs> up a word, unflammable, which led to unflappable, which has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Listen. Irregardless of what you're saying. Oh, no, regardless. Are they yes, in the same irregardless. thing? No, because one isn't a word. Irregardless is uh, often used, but never right because it's not a word. Correct. So I'm going to try another triple header since the last one went so well. <laughs> Let's discuss immoral, uh-huh. amoral, Ooh, and yes. unmoral. 
They all mean the same thing because people use them interchangeably. Well, they actually don't mean the same thing, but I agree they look the same, yeah. but are in fact different. I will try to share with you, Kurt, now, and our listeners the difference. If the if person someone, you're talking doesn't know the difference, does it matter? Well, it depends if they want to learn or not. Do you like to learn new things, Kurt? I do. I love to. Because you know what? I'm not disinterested or uninterested. Wait a second. What? I was introducing a speaker today, a guest speaker we had at a company meeting, and she's an absolutely fascinating person. And she spent like the first 60 years of her life as a man. And then she trans, you know, then she transitioned into a woman for the last nine years of her life so far. When you want to talk about gender bias and inequities, how many people have actually been both? That's a pretty heady perspective on this. But when I introduced her, I was talking about the definition of the word provocation I came across in a book a bunch of years ago, and I loved it, and I'll never forget it. And it relates to your comment about learning things. This book defined provocation as the intentional or deliberate quest to have your view of the world challenged. So for that reason, that's a beautiful thing. And that's an important part of learning and Absolutely. innovation and, and relating to other people and inclusiveness and empathy. All that being said, that was my explanation for why it's important that we know the differences between immoral, amoral, and unmoral, even though they look the same. Immoral. Do you think the trans person, when they go into their operation, the final operation is kind of like Sweden on the day they switched over. She was a, so powerful and wonderful and incredibly well-spoken and very generous in sharing her story. So, okay, let's start with immoral. Immoral means there's some sort of conflict with what is held generally as moral principles. Okay. So if you are immoral, you actually know the difference between right and wrong, but you have chosen wrong. So you're immoral. You understand how society okay. defines right and wrong, and you choose to do wrong. Okay. Whereas, what was the next one I said? Amoral. I think that was the next one I had on my list. Yep. Amoral means someone who is outside the moral code of conduct. They don't accept how morality is defined, like you're at all. So they're not not making the decision because there is no decision for them because they're outside the. Basically, you don't accept. You basically, you are neither moral nor immoral. Okay. You are amoral. Okay. So you're outside of the code. Like an atheist or an asexual person. Right. Or some atypical or an A-frame house. Or <laughs> no. No, not an A-frame house? No. Okay, scratch that then. Or Applebee's. No, scratch that too. Okay, we'll scratch them both then. So and then there's unmoral, okay? Which means that's somebody who has no perception of morality and is not guided by moral considerations. So incapable of understanding right and wrong. So So, I don't understand the difference between un and a. I get versus im. Sounds like they're the same, but amoral is outside the code and unmoral, and they know the code. Unmoral has no morals whatsoever. That's right. I don't think you have a perception of morality. I think someone who's amoral can perceive morality but doesn't buy into being moral or, or immoral. Like an Whereas, atheist or an asexual person. Right. Exactly. It doesn't mean you don't understand religion and what makes it up and the tensions and choices, but ain't your bag. You reject that. All right. All right. So I'm you got it. I will use that correctly in the future. 
Good luck remembering that, Kurt. I think I will. I'm going to come up with a mnemonic. Oh, good one. So ready for this one? I believe I am. I feel ready. Disused versus unused. They look the same. You think they're the same? Disused and unused? Well, disused and unused. I guess I would think they're the same. Sure. They're not, John. Excellent. First of all, disused only has one definition, which is abandoned, no longer used or occupied, right? I disused this. Gone. Okay? Unused has four definitions. One is not used, fresh or new. So disused, abandoned. Unused, new, never been used. Or unused, not habituated to something. I'm unused to working hard. I'm unused to that. I'm not habituated to that. Right. Or not put to use. Hey, that's unused land over there. They could plant corn there. Or accrued but not consumed. That employee has unused vacation days. You think these are the same, but they're not. Even with the unused, they're not. It's a beautiful, subtle, completely contradictory, confusing language. And I don't know how people who are non-native English speakers ultimately learn all of the nuance. We were born here and we don't know a lot of this stuff. And I know some people, of course, we all know people who were not born here. And I know people who have a better command of the English language than me or most people I've met. It's amazing that you can grasp all of this stuff. This is a complicated language, Kurt. Yeah, it's where people, as you said, some foreigners that come here might know the language beautifully in in a textbook, but get the nuance from it. All right. So do you know the difference? Well, let me ask the question. I know the way to San Jose, by the way. Do you know the difference between incomparable and non-comparable? Or do you think they're the same, Kurt? Incomparable or uncomparable? You did that again. You're, you're into like, you're into these uns, but it's not an un here, okay? It's not unflammable, Kurt. John. They are in, not the same. Incomparable and non-comparable. Not the same, John. Do you know that or are you just guessing that based on the topic of this here podcast episode? I'm guessing because that's the topic of the conversation and you're following suit as an example, but I also know this a little bit because incomparable is like, holy friggin' crap, this is incomparable. There's nothing that can compare. Exactly. I think you've got the difference. So you've got it exactly right. Incomparable is beyond compare. This is so beautiful, this sunset, that it is incomparable. You can't compare it. Whereas non-comparable means you can't compare it like an apple and an orange. You can't compare them. So you could be looking at two data sets that are about two very different things. They can't be compared. They're not beyond, they're non-comparable, whereas incomparable is just really beyond comparison. Yeah. 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 That one actually makes sense. Makes a complete sense. All right. I'm going to give one last one and then we can just throw some. Wrap it up, Kurt. Take us home. Displace versus misplace. Ooh. Ooh. Displace versus misplace. So I think I know what misplaced is, but I'm about to learn something about displaced, something that's not right, not in the right place versus something that was put in the wrong place. Okay. Did I get it? So which is Ish. which? Well, misplaced is something that you put in the wrong place. Displaced is something that's not in the right place. Exactly right. So is that right? misplaced, yes. Well done. Misplaced is to put something in the wrong place. I misplaced my keys again. I misplaced my phone again. If I always put it in my dish and now I put it someplace else, I can't find it. Whereas displace, 
you consciously remove from the proper place. So most refugees, when we talk about them, what are they from their country? They are displaced. Correct. Whereas their belongings, which may got lost on the, on the way, may be misplaced. Exactly. You've got it now. All right. I feel like I, I learned something. So I promised I you. I think a, he's got it, said Mary um, Poppins. About I think Mr. I promised Max. you a quiz. So are flammable and inflammable mean the same thing? No. They oh, do. Flammable and inflammable, yes. They do. They do. And we now know why. What is the difference between inflammable and non-flammable? Inflammable can go on fire. Non-flammable cannot go on fire. Exactamund. So that is excellent. Well, you and I learned something. Hopefully people <laughs> stuck with us because this one may have been better with eight by 10 glossies with well, what, colors and graphs what, and all sorts of charts. What about all the bros down on Wall Street that wear their Patagonia vests and their checked shirts? They're, in, they're in finance. Whereas the guys in your office doing the taxes are in finance. I'm surprised you didn't try to come up with the word unfinance based on your comments during this episode. No, that's infinance. <laughs> unfinance. Well, you uh, could be unfinanceable. And is that, is that different or the same as non-financeable? I don't know. Look it up. In any event, Kurt, we have discussed a whole bunch of words that look the same, but are in fact different. Hopefully people learned a couple along the way. I know I did. I also think we were very confusing. So maybe just a couple came through. It's in any fascinating event, to us, however. That's why we do this and hopefully others enjoy it too. In any event, Kurt and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Drivel, where we promise the drivel and hope for the smart. Amen, baby. You know what? Rows and rows. Okay. Again, those are homophones, Kurt. We legitimate are going to and illegitimate. Legitimate and illegitimate, I think, mean the opposite and, and actually look like they mean the opposite. Bam! But, but we are going to have a discussion soon about words that are their own opposites. With that said, we will be back soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, Kurt. Ciao, John. 